Uh, this is week number two of our all-church study and sermon series, Soul Shift. And hopefully you're as excited as, as we are as we're getting into this. And if you had a chance, if, if you have a copy of the book, maybe you're in a growth group and you've had a chance to read uh, chapter one, uh, Me to You, uh, I think just reading that got me excited to hear what Pastor Eric uh, was going to share this morning. And I can tell you after hearing the first service, um, be ready to be challenged and to be blessed. We are in the book of Mark on Sunday mornings in your growth groups. You'll be going through Philippians, and we're working through Mark a little bit with this series. And today, we are in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 35. If you want to turn there in your Bible, they will also be on the screen, and there are Bibles there, of course, in the pews. You feel free to take and use, take home. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to have that Bible. But reading from Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 35. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now I can go on Facebook and I can find out that my neighbor just filed for divorce. The same way that I find out that the Dow is down 21 points today. Somebody has posted it. It's their status. It's no longer their burden. Stop. Look at them. Ask yourself, what is it like to be them? As God moves you from me to you, you will find that the impact of your life upon other people will be multiplied a thousandfold. So several years ago, when my wife and I were still engaged, I was really needing a vacation. I was working really hard and was sort of running on fumes. You guys know how this is, right? But I was just trying to get through day by day. Uh, and then another thing got added to my list. Down in Columbus, uh, back when I was just a boy, I had an adoptive grandma and adoptive grand grandfather. And the grandfather of this uh, family had, had died. He was a faithful man and really had a wonderful life. And so I decided, that, you know, I need to go down to this funeral. So I went down to the funeral, even though I had all these other things going on, so many other things on my mind, I, I knew that I needed to go down. So I went down, I participated, you know, enjoyed the, the service. It was actually a wonderful service. His son, who had become a pastor, 
share and even shared the gospel. It was wonderful. And after that service, I decided to call my then fiance, Amanda. And my mind was just in a, in a different place because of all these things, emotions coming up, and it was just really hard for me to focus. You know, when this happens to us, we tend to go on autopilot, right? We just sort of go through the, how we sort of know different things uh, to go through. And this happens in all the different spheres of our lives. And you guys know, I mean, this happens to you in, in all the, you know, at work and at home and when you're doing these different things. And even for a pastor, as much as we want to be emotionally on every single minute of the day, sometimes, you know, and sometimes, you know, especially like when you're praying and you get towards the end of your prayer, you really allowed your heart to, to lift up those things that were really on your heart. But then when you're closing off the prayer, you know, you, you sort of know we have a routine or a way in which we do that. And the same thing goes for when I was leaving this voice message. Sometimes it's really hard. How, how do I finish this voice message? How do I end this, this call? And so with all the things going on in my mind and everything, I did, sort of went on autopilot to end the voice message that I was leaving for my wife. The only problem is that my autopilot, my personal autopilot, got confused with my pastor autopilot. And so as I was hanging up the phone, leaving the message for my wife, I said, in your name, amen, and I hung up the phone. <laughs> now, I have some attention deficit disorder issues. I've always had that, you know. One comedian said, you're just drawn to the sparkly thing in the room, and that just sort of is how it goes. The disciples, when they were traveling with Jesus, had their minds somewhere else. Jesus was even very intentional about gaining an audience, a specific audience, with these disciples. You know, he had traveled all over the place. There were crowds of people. He had ministered to thousands at a time, and teaching to thousands at a time, healing miracles, but this time, when they were on the road to the village of Capernaum, through the region of Galilee, he wanted the disciples' attention. It was because of what he was going to share with them. It was a foreshadowing. It's not the first time, actually, even the second time, a foreshadowing of the very purpose for which Jesus was there, that he would be handed over to human hands, and that he would suffer and that he would die. But on the third day, he would raise again. And the disciples' minds weren't there. Here's what the scripture says. But they did not understand what he was saying. And they were too afraid to ask any further about it. Later on, Jesus traps them with a question, which is something Jesus would do, a very Jesus-y thing to do. And he asks them, so what were you arguing about when we were back on the road there? And they all knew that they were caught. So they all remained silent and did not answer him. Here in Mark, we find a very stark juxtaposition or a, a contrast that's very easy to overlook because in our Bibles, typically, we have these nice little paragraph breakings and little titles that help us uh, get oriented to what's being talked about in the scriptures. But sometimes we miss then how these two things are connected. And here on one hand, the disciples are completely missing the fact that Jesus is describing the very nature of God's love. 
that he, as God's son, as the Messiah, would give himself up as a sacrifice for those that he loved. And on the other hand, the disciples weren't paying attention to that and were completely missing it. Why? Because they were so filled with their own agenda and arguing as to who is the greatest. You see that, that contrast? Steve, Pastor Steve last week talked about the mind of Christ, about how we are to take on the mind of Christ. And what that speaks to is not just what we keep in our, in our minds and our thoughts, but our entire be- speaks to our entire being. It goes above and beyond just the things that we do, but our, our soul, our spirits, our very core of who we are. That's what God wants to get in there and meddle with and to change and to transform like a ball of clay. And the disciples were the ones struggling to have this mind of Christ because the scripture says that they're just, their minds were, were somewhere else. They lived in a day where there were very distinct classes of people or classifications of people. And they didn't necessarily have formal classes or categories of people, but it was an understood thing within the culture and the society. And we read this throughout the Gospels. For example, when people or the Pharisees accused Jesus of hanging out with the sinners, they wasn't talking about people who were necessarily living a lifestyle contrary to God's purposes. They were identifying a class of people that were considered other than, as opposed to the righteous, that were at least self-proclaimed righteous category of people. And so there are these classifications and these categories of people, and some had places of honor, and some, well, not so much honor. Even in the common table setting, if guests were brought over, there were specific seats for those who were in positions of honor, and then the seats would go in descending order from those who were held up as honorable people around around the table. And so what this society, what this culture did is it, it sent a message to those who were sort of not a part of the honorable class or, or category of people to strive for that. That they needed to climb the social ladder if they wanted to be happy or successful or have, uh, have prestige and respect and honor amongst the communities that they lived. And this is why the disciples chose the topic of who's the greatest Because society, in many ways, had conditioned that conversation. It had told them to promote the self. That they need to prop themselves up if they're going to make it and achieve the things that they they want to achieve. I think we sort of live in a similar environment, don't we? (laughs) We're taught to prop ourselves up, to promote ourselves, to have a self-promoting uh, agenda if we're ever going to make it, if we're ever going to thrive and be happy and achieve our goals and have uh, success and, and meaning in our lives. Uh, how many of you are going to be watching a little football tonight? Yeah, some of you are going to sit down with your friends, you're going to watch the football game, and some of you are rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles. You other imperialist savages. 
are rooting for the Patriots. And then a lot more of you are going to go and enjoy the food and the company, but you don't really care about the game. You're there to see the commercials, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, the commercials. Millions upon millions of dollars spent to craft the perfect message to convince you that you need their product and that their product is going to enhance your life. It's going to make you more comfortable. It's going to bring more happiness, more success, everything that you want. If you have this thing, it's going to make everything better. This is an example of one such. This is not a Super Bowl ad. This is black and white. But the message is the same. You deserve it. You deserve it. And we're bombarded by these messages constantly, day after day, that it's about you. It's, it's about your own well-being. It's about your own promotion in life, climbing that ladder. And you've got to have a plan and an agenda if you're going to make it in this, in this world. We have an environment. We're, we're conditioned in many ways to, to think this way. Some of you have smartphones, and if you have a smartphone, chances are you have a camera, and chances are if you have a camera, at some point or other, you took what we call the selfie. Some of you take more selfies than you ought to. <laughs> but what does that speak to? What does that say? It, it, it says that it's, a, it's appropriate to, to, to promote the self. And there's all kinds of different influences and voices speaking to us to, that, that, that it's about us. It's about what we can achieve and what our agenda really is. The only problem is that when we get enough people in the same room and they all have their own personal self-promoting agenda, there's just going to be conflict. This is why the disciples, when they happened to wander into the topic of who is the greatest, there was an argument that ensued. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the bachelor. And you get enough people in the same room competing with one There's people think of you. There's all kinds of damaging practical effects when we put ourselves first or when we hold ourselves at the center. But that wasn't the most damaging thing on the road to Capernaum. Yes, they got into an argument. Doesn't look like they got into a fight. Nobody killed anybody. They went on. They ministered together. They lived together as a result. The most damaging thing about their self-centered focus and agenda in that moment was that they completely whiffed on Jesus telling them the most important thing, the very purpose for which Jesus was sent on this earth, they completely missed it because they were so concerned about themselves. And when we place ourselves at the center, when it's all about us, when we have a self-promoting agenda, we're going to have conflict, we're going to have issues, but most importantly, it creates a disconnect between us and God, and we miss out on what God's saying, how God's guiding and directing, how God's working, what God 
is doing around us and calling us into that activity. They completely, completely missed it. And so we are in need, we stand in need of a soul shift, a shift from, from me to, to you. Jesus goes on, and he asks the setup question. He says, what were you arguing about? And they were completely silent. And here's what's really interesting, that Jesus doesn't address the fact, he already knows what they're up to. He knows that they've been arguing about who is the greatest. He doesn't address them and their, Jesus is established a, a rule of life, a rule of culture that actually doesn't belong to this world. What he's speaking about is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was Jesus' favorite sermon topic. All throughout the course of his ministry, he's preaching about the kingdom of God, and it speaks to this realm where God is on the throne, and there are certain particular ways in which one lives in that particular kingdom. It's like if you were traveling to a different country. You know how this works. You go to a different country... And you begin with your own understanding of how life works, about how things are supposed to go, and then you're up for a rude awakening when you travel to a different country because things don't operate the way that you're used to them operating. And even more than this, the language problem, which people don't really uh, appreciate until they're trying to just buy something at a local store and they realize they can't even do that. It's not just language. It's not just um, the particulars, but the way people understand life. The way things sort of move along in society, the values that, that shape the understanding of people in a different culture, in a different place, how they cook their food is different, how they take their coffee is different, all kinds of different ways in which they operate. And in the same way, Jesus spends his ministry explaining what the kingdom of God looks like. Because it's a different place. And for those that are invited into the kingdom, it is them saying, you are a new citizen of a new place, and we just, act, we just, we just do things differently over here. My son, who's six, he's in kindergarten. Um, well, let's just say his vocabulary is growing. And sometimes he comes home saying certain things in certain ways. And he hasn't really gone too far off the deep end, so I'm waiting for that to happen. But just this week, he came home, and he, he, he said something, and it kind of caught my radar a little bit, raised the red flag, and I said, well, you know, what did you say there? And he, he repeated it, and I said, oh, well, we don't talk like that. And he said, well, yeah, but, 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 but so-and-so, you know, they, they, they said that. that that's why I was just, I said, that's okay, I understand that, but we don't, don't talk like that. And that's how Jesus explained the kingdom of God, is that this world is like a river current, that if you just do nothing, you find yourself traveling in that way. And that's okay. That, those are the influences that, that mold and shape us as human beings living on this world. But when we enter into the kingdom of God, when we put God on the throne, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are now citizens of another place, of another realm, and you know we just, we just do things differently than some of those other people do. And so before we talk about moving and shifting from a self-centered agenda in life to an other-centered agenda in life, 
We must first come to this place where we not only accept that we are citizens of a different place, but that we have the courage to be different. We have the courage to live according to a different mode, by different rules, in a different culture. Because when Jesus talks about the shifts that take place, it goes so far beyond us sort of setting aside a selfish agenda. It goes so far beyond coming to this place to say to our friends, you know what, I'm sorry, I was really self-centered there. That's important, but it doesn't begin there. It doesn't even begin uh, taking on more of an other-centered lifestyle or activity, like joining an outreach opportunity and and serving those in our our neighborhood or community and all of that. It doesn't doesn't even start there. It starts with that uh, that concept, that that decision, that commitment to say, you know, I'm just going to be different because I I live under the the kingdom of, of God. And that the rule of the kingdom of God is that whoever wants to be first will be last, and then whoever is last will be be first. Uh, Scholars call this the great reversal because it speaks to the upside-down nature of how God's kingdom operates over and against how we're used to doing things in our own life and, and in our own way. Jesus was the center of and is the center of this shift from me to you. You see, when we talk about how we are self-centered, how we hold our own agendas at, at the center, we often think, well, the solution then is to replace that with an others-centered life and heart and agenda. But that would be the wrong move as well because what Jesus is saying here is that it's not a replacement from a self-centered agenda to an other-centered agenda. It's that you put Christ at the center. It's that you put Jesus at the center. You remove ourselves from that center and you put Jesus in the middle. And the very expression of what it means to have Jesus at the center means that we move from me to you. Me to you. Kind of funny saying that because then you said, me to you? No, me to you. Sorry. (laughs) When Jesus is in the center, that is the natural flow and response and expression that we have. Because it's Jesus who not only modeled what it looks like in its fullest expression to move away from self to give some self away, but also it was Jesus' death and resurrection that launched the kingdom of God in the first place. And so we enter in to that Christ mindset, that Christ-centeredness. In our growth groups, we're going along Philippians. In Philippians 2, uh, starting with, with verse 3, uh, it says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. But here's the motivation. Here's the core of this. Let the same mind be in you 
that was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus expresses and models what it looks like to enter into a sacrificial love of God. And yes, we are to put others first. Yes, we are to put away our selfish ambitions, our vain conceit, as the, as the scripture says. We are to put away our own agendas and have uh, different attitudes and, and actions and living that out. But that happens when we allow Christ to come in to the center. Because it is Christ's love that is in the fullness of what it means to sacrifice and to put ourselves last. It kind of works in this way. My wife Amanda and I, a couple years ago, we went through training uh, to become foster parents. And many of you have done this, and you're foster parents. And the training is really rigorous. It's, it's intensive. There are a lot of laws and rules and, you know, all these things to work through, and you have to go through all of them. And, and then the, the entire training is centered on preparing you for the change and the shift and the transformation that will take place in your own your own soul and in your own life when you just simply open the door and let another person come into that space. Some of you experience this maybe with uh, elderly parents or grandparents. My grandmother uh, was getting up there in age and her dementia was ramping up and my parents made the decision to allow my grandmother to live with them. And all of the energy and all of the decision making and all of um, the, 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 the conversations that they had surrounded how they were going to deal with the change that was just going to happen by simply because they were letting this other person into their home, into their space. And this is what happens when we allow Christ to come in. So many times we think, well, I just, I, I've got to be more selfless. And I've got to think, think of others before ourselves. And the thing is, you know what that looks like. You know what it looks like to, to put yourself aside and put others before you. You know what that looks like. You've seen it exampled in other people's lives. The problem is, is that we just have a hard time doing it, Right? And if it was a matter of just giving you the rule book and saying, well, you need to do this instead of this, and if that was enough, boy, this would be a different conversation, wouldn't it? But it's about that soul shift. It's about that transformation that happens simply by sheer extension of letting Jesus come in because it's Jesus' love that is by its very nature a sacrificial type of love. And so my invitation to you 
is, yeah, think about those things that you can do or not do, to, to put away your own agendas and to take up something new, something that's selfless or, or, or filled with service to, to bless and, and to do something for someone else. Yeah, do, do all of that. But all of that comes naturally when we simply open the door and let the sacrificial love of God exampled in Jesus Christ to come in. And we can't help it. We simply just find ourselves doing it because something has shifted, something has been transformed within us that then manifests outward. So my question to you is if if you find yourself kind of struggling with this, you're kind of mad at yourself why you haven't put away your your selfish agenda and and taken up something something else that's focused on others. If If you're sitting there in frustration, my question to you is by what extent have you allowed the sacrificial love of God to consume you? How far have you swung that door open? to allow Christ to come in and to do his work within you, to shift and to change who you are into something different that then becomes so natural putting ourselves away so that we can live for others. To what extent have we opened that door? To what extent have we allowed Christ to come into our hearts? Because it is Christ that makes that change. The change that maybe we've been wanting to see, but we're frustrated because we're not seeing it happen. It's Christ that makes that change. It's not us that does it uh, by our own, our willpower or strength. It is a soul shift that comes from him. Would you, would you stand with me? And um, sometimes posture, I think, really helps when we're praying. It's just another way to use ourselves. Would you just um, open a palm? Just open a palm. Would you pray with me? God, we open up our hands because sometimes some of us have been walking with clenched fists and we've been holding on maybe out of fear, maybe out of insecurity, out of self-protection. But in that clenched fist, oh God, we, we've been holding ourselves at the center. So Lord, we open up our palms to let go of the ego, of the narcissism, of the self-centered promotions and agendas so that we can allow you to infiltrate our hearts and our souls and our spirits to do your work and to create the change that only you can create. God, as you do your work within us, I pray that we would have a a clear understanding and vision of how we can focus ourselves on others. You have deliberately and purposely placed people around us not so that we can then focus on ourselves, but so that we can bless them. Help us to see those people in the way that you see them. 
Help us to identify opportunities to bless them and to serve them in the way that you would do so yourself. Let us have the mind of Jesus so that we can be your people and live freely within your kingdom. The peace and the joy and the love that comes from you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You're gonna exit out these doors and when you do, go about your day, you'll be subjected to a lot of voices that claim that your life is your own and about you. Be a little different this time. Be a little different. Go in the strength and power of Jesus' name. Amen.